We invite you to join us for a half hour of inspiration, sharing, and teaching in a new program of Orthodox Christian Renewal. This comes as an outreach of the Logos Ministry for Orthodox Renewal, headquartered in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The founder of this ministry of faith is Father Eusebius Stefanu, Greek Orthodox priest, author, and evangelist, who's been called by God out of pastoral and professorial posts to proclaim the end-time message of salvation, healing, and deliverance in Jesus Christ. Father Stefanu comes to share a message of love and hope with both those who've never known Christ and those who are already members of the church but have never experienced the fullness of God's redeeming grace and healing power. At the close of the program, we will give you the address where you can write our evangelist. It will also appear on your screen in the course of the program. And now our speaker and host, Father Eusebius Stefanu. Welcome to another program on Orthodox Christian Renewal. Thank you for tuning in again and joining me in another half hour of teaching and fellowship. It's time to come into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ again to seek his face and to deepen our relationship with our divine Savior. Do you know, friend, that the first thing the Lord wants to do with you is to make a new creature out of you. He wants to give you the gift of rebirth, the gift of regeneration in the Holy Spirit. He wants to make a brand new person out of you. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, the Bible tells us. All things have passed away. Behold, I make all things new. Isn't that beautiful? Before I move on with the main message, I want to thank all of you who have been writing me and uh, standing with me with your prayers and your offerings. You will never know what your letters mean to me. And I want to ask you to help me in keeping this program on the air. Now, before I go on, I'd like to read a few of the letters that have come in. They're just a sampling of what I have been receiving. Uh, here's a man uh, from, uh, uh, a viewer from Skokie, Illinois, and he writes, Sunday, dear Father Stefano, Sunday was the first time my husband and I heard you on television. God love and bless you for it. The whole world needs your message. Oh, do tell us all about it. Please pray for us both to receive the Holy Spirit. And here is another a letter from a viewer from Chicago. Dear Father Stefano, we greatly enjoy every Sunday evening your television program. Your holy sermons are very precious and very helpful to everyone. We thank God with praises for you. And uh, another a letter from a viewer from uh, Waukegan, Illinois. And he writes, Dear Father Eusebius, just a few lines to inform you how much I enjoy your TV program each Sunday night. It's really inspiring to me. I feel so good and uplifted when I hear you. But last night especially, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit uh, so much that, that I was a sinner, although I have been going to church for the past 19 years. I lay on my bed and I wept bitterly and asked the Lord to forgive me and to come into my heart. Then I knew he did because I could feel the sweet, settled peace flowing through me. Isn't that marvelous how God touches people that are sensitive and open to his Holy Spirit? So I would like to have you write me today. If you're one of those that have never written me yet, I need to hear from you. And when you write me, send me your prayer requests. I want to pray for your needs. And I will be glad, in fact, to send you a copy of my magazine, The Logos, that contains many enlightening and inspiring articles on renewal and revival in the church. Now, I have been, uh, I have pointed out in previous programs that rebirth, or regeneration, in Greek, anagenesis, is basic and fundamental to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, you cannot be a Christian without having experienced that rebirth. It is a condition every man and woman has to meet in order to get into heaven. You cannot afford to be ambiguous nor confused about this matter. And I'd like to dwell on this a little further 
today. You cannot afford to live with uncertainty about it. If there is any one thing that you should be certain about in life, it is concerning your own rebirth. Whether or not you have been regenerated in the Holy Spirit, whether or not you have been born of God, as the Bible puts it, born again in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in the Bible, unless a man is born from above, anothen is the Greek term, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And unless a person is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Traditionally, the church has taught that baptism is required in order to be saved from hell and to gain heaven in eternity. Jesus also said, Whosoever believeth and is baptized will be saved. Whosoever believeth not will be damned. So the customary teaching in the church has been that accepting Jesus Christ in faith as your Savior and being baptized are the two basic requirements for salvation. The emphasis has been on baptism as that sacrament which primarily produces salvation in the life of the believer. Baptism is regenerative, in other words. This has been the teaching of the early church fathers, and it is exemplified in the practice of the ancient church. In all this, however, there has lurked the dangerous temptation of regarding baptism as some kind of a magic, as if it saves us apart from our own faith and obedience to Christ. That's why the church today is filled with baptized people who have no real relationship with Christ. Baptism is performed in a very perfunctory manner in so many of our churches. It's just some kind of a religious routine. As a result, those who are baptized really never experience any spiritual change in their life. They have no awareness of spiritual rebirth. You might possibly be one of those who have been baptized in infancy, but you have never experienced the new birth. It's only a doctrine of the church for you that you respectfully and reverently subscribe to. Your life, however, remains spiritually unexciting, listless, and drab. You are not really all that enthusiastic about Jesus. You are not fired up with love for the Savior who died on the cross and shed his precious blood for your sins 2,000 years ago. In other words, there is a missing factor there that accounts for the lack of spiritual uh, vibrancy in your life. I believe the time has come when the church needs to give the Word of God equal importance in the work of a man's salvation. And I want to quote a portion of scripture in which it is stated in clear-cut, unambiguous, unquestionable language that the believer is born again and regenerated by the word of God. And I read from 1 Peter, first chapter, verse 23. Being born again, the Greek word, ana yeyenimeni, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now, this scripture is of crucial importance, and I cannot emphasize this fact enough. And I do it for corrective purposes. I don't want to leave the impression with anyone that baptism does not help us, does not help the believer to enter into salvation. But what I want to underscore here is a truth that has been forgotten and far too long neglected. Namely, that the Word of God is equally involved in your salvation, just as much as baptism. That's why we owe a debt of gratitude to our Protestant brothers who restored the primacy of the Word of God in the Reformation. Without the study, the reading, and the preaching of God's Word, 
the church can fall into a barren sacramentalism, which is dead and irrelevant. It is keeping the Word of God alive that assures the sacraments of their relevance and enables them to release the power of the Holy Spirit into the lives of the believers. If there is deadness in the church today, it is only because we have relied exclusively on the sacraments at the expense of the Word of God. Again, I say, this is not my private opinion or some kind of an arbitrary view on my part. No, it is the unmistakable teaching of the revelation of God in Holy Scripture. Let me read that text again. Being born again, in the Greek is anayayenimeni, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now, I've heard some people in the church, in my own Orthodox church, contend that the expression being born again is not Orthodox. All I can say in reply to that contention is, can anyone improve on the orthodoxy of the scriptures? Can you be more orthodox than the writer of that book of the New Testament? Can you be more orthodox than the Apostle Peter who wrote that epistle? He uses the term, the Greek word, which means simply born again. The original Greek goes like this, Now, what was it that led those 3,000 in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? It was the Word of God that Peter preached that made all the difference. Baptism followed the preaching of the word. It followed after repentance. And uh, we read there in, in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 2. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? So the first result that the descent of the Holy Spirit produced in the apostles was the desire and zeal to proclaim the gospel. The first thing they did was not hold a baptismal service. They didn't invite everybody to attend and look on with the hope that someone might decide to get baptized. The first act of the apostles after getting filled with the Holy Spirit was to preach the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ in order to produce faith in their listeners. That's why the apostle Paul teaches, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why I'm in this special television outreach. God has called me to preach the gospel to those who, though baptized members in the church, do not know the Lord Jesus Christ in a personal relationship and who have never had an awareness of their second birth. They do not know what it means to be born of God. The mandate of Christ for the church today, friend, is to jo join the word of God to baptism and to the other sacraments if they are to have any meaning at all for the people of God. You might not like what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it anyhow because God commands me to say it like it is. I've got to say it like it is. You can be baptized. You can be baptized all you want. And you can receive all the communions you want. But if you are not born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever, if you are not, I said, then when you die and God takes you from this ephemeral world, you will be condemned to the flames of the unquenchable fire of hell. You cannot violate the revealed word of God and get away with it. You will pay for your disobedience. I don't care what any other priest or pastor says. 
I go by God's word, not by man's ideas. I'm not saying this to frighten you. I'm saying it out of love to warn you so that you might be spared the wrath which is to come. Because the Bible says, the wrath of God cometh upon the sons of disobedience. In addition to your baptism in communions, or rather, if your baptism and your communions are to be efficacious for your salvation, you must get into the study and understanding of the Holy Scriptures. You need to feed on the Word of God. You need to hear the Gospel preached. You need to hear the Word proclaimed. Train your ear to hear sound messages of salvation on radio and television. Keep your ear exposed to the Word and also your eyes exposed to God's Word. For Christ said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. If you feed on God's word first, then when you receive the Holy Communion, you will be truly feeding on the body and, and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's exactly why in the divine liturgy, the scripture readings and sermon come before the receiving of the communion. The church has always regarded God's word as a necessary preparation to a good communion. Without a proper preparation, the communion can turn out to be in for your damnation. But do not content yourself with the scriptural readings and the sermon on Sunday morning at the Holy Eucharist. Get into the Word as a matter of daily practice and spiritual discipline. Do not let a single day go by without reading your Bible. Don't let a single day go by without hearing God's Word preached, either on, in, the, in, in church or on the radio or on television. It's true that believers feed on the Lord Jesus Christ in the communion, but friend, remember that you feed first and foremost on the Word of God. The Word also nourishes you spiritually. The same Apostle Peter teaches clearly and explicitly. And I read from uh, the first epistle of, of Peter where he says, as newborn babes, Desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby unto salvation. In other words, since you are born again by the incorruptible word of God, as Peter teaches, you also grow and increase and are nourished on the same divine word. Like a newborn baby that comes out of the mother's womb and immediately draws nourishment out of the same body from which it was born, the milk, in other words, from its mother's breast. There can be no possible revival in your life, friend, until you can say like the psalmist, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, Lord, that I might not sin against thee. There can be no possible renewal in the church until preaching out of the Bible is restored to its rightful place in the church. The church can no longer survive, least of all be awakened spiritually, simply, simply on a 15-minute sermon on Sunday morning. Listen to me, friend, as I tell you, God's word is salvation seed. It is spirit, Holy Spirit, and it is life, spiritual life, redeeming life, quickening life. The word of God saves. It sets you free from every bondage of Satan. It releases healing power. It releases deliverance power. God's word has within it the power to do its own work, a work of salvation and a work of healing. But I know what your problem is. You lack the thirst, you lack the hunger for God's word. Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And he also says, blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. God is looking today for those who come to him confessing their thirst and hunger. Jesus Christ is not looking for perfect people. He is looking for sinners who confess their need for him in humility and repentance and go to him for forgiveness. I want to tell you, friend, that the secret to hungering for the word of God is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
It is the Holy Spirit baptism that will release inside of you those rivers of living water about which the Lord speaks in the Holy Scriptures. Jesus says, He who believes in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. When Jesus, as the baptizer, baptizes you in the Holy Spirit, he will put a new hunger into your heart for the Word. One of the first results that the Holy Spirit baptism produces in you is a greater desire to read and study the Bible, a greater zeal for sharing in Bible study groups and fellowships, and a greater enthusiasm for listening to the preaching of the gospel, and even for the preaching itself of the gospel. I experienced this new desire back in 1972 when I came into that experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I began to delight and to revel in the scriptures in a new way. I began to feel the power of the Holy Spirit being released as I read and meditated on God's Word in a way in which I never felt before. If reading the Bible for you, friend, is just a religious chore, then hear me as I tell you. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, If anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink, and the water that I will give him will become a well of water in him, springing up, into everlasting life. True that the Holy Spirit satisfies and quenches your inner thirst, but at the same time it produces a deeper and insatiable thirst for more and more and more and more of Jesus and the fullness of His Holy Spirit. You never get enough of Jesus. You never get enough of the Holy Spirit. You never want to stop drinking of that spiritual water. That's why the Apostle Paul says, Be ye filled with the Spirit. In other words, once you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, keep getting refills. Keep getting refilled with the Holy Spirit. Keep feeding on Jesus. Keep getting nourished and reinforced on the Holy Spirit. Keep drinking of the Holy Spirit. Of course, it is true that in the Orthodox Church, babies are chrismated and receive the confirmation at the time they are baptized in water. But like I pointed out on previous programs, you need to get on your knees and to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to stir up, to rekindle that initial baptismal gift of the Holy Spirit. Go to Jesus to have him rekindle that flickering flame because your life demonstrates that you are not manifesting the Holy Spirit baptism. You are not a glow, a glow in the Spirit. You express neither the fruits nor the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You simply don't demonstrate that the rivers of living water are flowing inside of you. You have no enthusiasm for Jesus, nor any special desire for God's Word. I have said it time and time again, that you cannot survive on what you got at your infant baptism. You cannot make it to heaven on your baptismal certificate. You need that actual experience that can change your life and truly make you a new creation in Christ. Listen to me, friend. It's time to stop playing church. It's time to stop playing nice religious games. It's time to mean, mean business with God. Take everything God has for you. Your eternity is at stake. Stop straddling the fence. It's either going all the way for Christ or all the way for Satan. Make your choice. You've got to decide once and for all. It is the last hour, the Bible says. Jesus is coming back soon. We must write our relationship with God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Get on your knees right now. I want to pray for you. I want to help you receive that Holy Spirit infilling, that heavenly provision that the Father is bestowing in these last days in preparation for the return of Jesus. Because the Lord says, in the last days I shall pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. 
And my beloved, we're living in that last day now. We're living in those last days when God, in his mercy, is pouring out upon all flesh his Holy Spirit. And you don't want to be left out. And I'd like to pray for you now because God will honor your faith and he will infuse his Holy Spirit into you right now if you yield to him in faith and humility and repentance. Just kneel there and open up your heart. Reach out for Jesus as I pray for your need. Father, we thank you for that promise that in the last days I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh. There's that man, there's that woman out there that's claiming that promise even now. That man, that woman who is on his knees, on her knees, coming to you, thirsting and repenting of their sins. I pray, Jesus, that you would breathe thy Holy Spirit into them this very moment. The Holy Spirit that will transform their lives and make them new creatures in thy name. I pray, Lord, that they might receive this experience of the free gift of rebirth. Even now, touch them, Lord. And fire them up with a love for thee. I ask this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. That's it. Now, I want to ask you to just continue waiting upon the Lord. Don't rise from your knees yet, but continue to be in a yielding spirit and receive what the Lord is giving you this very moment. He's touching you and he's ministering to you this beautiful anointing and unction of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you to write me and to share with me the blessing you received on this program today. I want you to write me and tell me that you're standing with me, that you are sharing in this ministry, that you're a faith partner, that you're a, a prayer partner with me. I'm going to ask you to just to write me this week so that I'll know that you're with me, you're standing together with me in this outreach. Until next time, may God's richest blessings be with you. We thank you for having joined Father Stefanu in this new broadcast of Inspiration and Faith. We hope you will tune in again next week for another half hour of Orthodox Christian Renewal. This program is made possible by the free will offerings of the viewers. Your prayerful and financial support is vital to the continuance of this telecast. We invite you to join us for a half hour of inspiration, sharing, and teaching in a new program of Orthodox Christian Renewal. This comes as an outreach of the Logos Ministry for Orthodox Renewal headquartered in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The founder of this ministry of faith is Father Eusebius Stefanu, Greek Orthodox priest, author, and evangelist, who's been called by God out of pastoral and professorial posts to proclaim the end-time message of salvation, healing, and deliverance in Jesus Christ. Father Stefanu comes to share a message of love and hope with both those who've never known Christ and those who are already members of the church but have never experienced the fullness of God's redeeming grace and healing power. At the close of the program, we will give you the address where you can write our evangelist. And now, our speaker and host, Father Eusebius Stefanu. Welcome to the Hour of Orthodox Christian Renewal. It's time for fellowship again, time to come into the presence of God and to seek the Lord. I thank God for this opportunity to come into your home and to share God's word with you and to talk about the things of God. Now, you might have some friends and relatives who don't know about this program. Why don't you take a minute now and just go to your phone and call them, tell them about it, and share this program with them. And in fact, I would certainly appreciate it if you would just get the word around to all the Orthodox in the greater 
in this greater area, greater city area. Now I know there's a growing awareness of the need for our orthodox faith to come alive. And uh, this is the burden that God has given me uh, to bring our lives more in line with the will of Christ and to bring the corporate life of the church in line with the standard of the gospel. Now God has uh, opened doors to me uh, recently in the greater Chicago area where I have been able to hold rallies for Christ and they have been really blessed by the Lord. In fact, uh, I'd like to show you a few uh, still shots from uh, the recent rally. Here you see uh, I'm praying and ministering to uh, a young man. In the background is the local pastor of the church uh, which uh, opened its doors to me for this ministry. And uh, here you see uh, some of the people in attendance. We had quite a few young people. Young people today are hungry for the things of God and they're uh, looking on uh, very attentively and reverently to how God is ministering to this one woman. And here uh, you see a young lady who's being ministered to uh, for healing and you see the joy on her face. Uh, God really touched her. Well, this is just uh, uh, a sample of uh, a little sampling uh, from our uh, recent rally. All I could say is that God is at work, uh, my friends, and renewal power is really coming down from heaven. When we talk about renewal, we have to remember that it's God that does the renewing. And God is changing the lives of men and women in our Orthodox churches. It's tremendous. It's really exciting. And people in the church today are interested in the, in the deeper things of God. In other words, they want to know Jesus Christ in a more intimate way. You cannot get into heaven on the confession of your Godfather. It's possible only if you happen to die as an infant. It is useful only while you are a little child. That's why the Godfather was there at your infant baptism. He confessed the faith in your behalf. But when you mature and you grow up, God holds you responsible for making your own decision for Christ. Listen to me. The Godfather confessed faith in Christ in your behalf, dear friend. Since baptism is accepted in the Orthodox Church as regenerative and as a condition to be met for salvation. Your Godfather said way back then, when you were a baby, I believe in Christ as my King and as my God. I align myself with Christ and I renounce Satan and all his angels and all adoration of him and all his pomp. Now he made that confession solemnly and publicly in front of all those who were present at your baptism. And he also said it aloud, in other words, with his mouth. Thereby he met the condition that the word of God sets down. We read in the epistle to the Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, and I'd like to turn to that right now to illustrate exactly how God's word reveals this fact to us. If thou shalt confess, with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, notice that, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So that's why your godfather way back then confessed with his mouth and he believed in his heart in your behalf when you were a baby. What did he believe in his heart? That God had raised Jesus from the dead. And what did he confess? That Jesus is the Lord. That is, that Jesus is the Lord of his life. I want to believe that your godfather really believed in that confession, that truly that he was the Lord of his, of his life. But now that you are of age, you must confess solemnly 
and publicly that Jesus is the Lord of your life. And God wants you to believe, like it says in the Bible, in your heart. It says, endicardia, cardia, that God has raised him from the dead. Now, did you hear that? It says, believe in your heart. The Greek says, cardia, pistevete. In your heart, not in your mind. So many people believe in God only with their mind intellectually. But in order for us to be related in a, in a love relationship with God, we need to believe with our heart. And what has happened in reality is that we have accepted the current practice in the church as normal and quite standard. In other words, you are born a Christian. You are born into Christianity. Since your father and your mother are Christian, then you automatically are a Christian and a child of God. Now that's the prevalent mentality. To be born of Christian parents can certainly help a child to make a positive decision for Jesus Christ. But each person ultimately must face God again. Each one of us who have been baptized as infants. You have to stand at the cross alone and accept or reject what Jesus did on that cross. So, salvation, going to heaven, is not a birthright, but it's something you have to seek to acquire. That's why it says there in uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power, that is to say authority, to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You might say, well, Father Stefano, I have confessed Jesus Christ in my private prayers, or alone in my bedroom. No, friend, it's not a private matter. It's no more private than what your baptism was and the confession your godfather made for you the day you were baptized and placed into his arms. If you have the boldness and the candor to confess Christ publicly as your Savior and to bear solemn testimony to him as Lord, then Jesus Christ will confess you in the presence of his Father when he returns in the glory of his angels. That's what he told us. And that's an agreement he made with us. And what a wonderful promise. It's a fair agreement. In fact, when Jesus comes back again, every knee shall bow, the Bible says, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So we need to confess from now uh, with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Otherwise, when Jesus comes back again, it will be too late at his appearance to confess him as Lord. To confess Jesus Lord aloud and solemnly and publicly is not a mere formality. It's not just a ritual. It is rather a conscious act of the will and of the mind. It is a decision of the heart. It is, an, it is acting on the word of God. It is a step of obedience. It is meeting the condition for salvation laid down in the Bible. It is conforming to a divine ordinance. It is believing and confessing that makes your infant baptism efficacious for salvation. Baptism alone will never get you into heaven. You can get baptized. You can go to church every Sunday and receive the communion regularly. And friend, do you know that you still can go to hell? I've had people tell me, Father, I haven't been the same person since the day I went forward and made a co public commitment to Christ at your service. There's something about going up in front and publicly confessing Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit is released in that simple gesture of faith and obedience. Your words somehow germinate salvation power and miracle power. It's just really marvelous. A marvelous happening. Something occurs when you answer that altar call in a contrite 
in humble spirit. What looks like an insignificant act can make a world of difference to your walk with Jesus Christ. It was a simple move of walking to the pool of Siloam and washing off the clay that Jesus applied to, his, to the eyes of that blind man that resulted in his healing and the restoration of his sight. God could have healed, for example, Naaman the Syrian immediately if he wanted to. But God commanded him to step into the Jordan River seven times. And it was his final obedience, dipping himself seven times in that river, that resulted in the healing of his leprosy. So a simple act, a few steps, a move that appears so insignificant and perhaps foolish is always honored by God. You have to do something Dear friend, if you just sit back in your church pew, you will wither away spiritually and die. Now you may be baptized, but in the eyes of God, you are as if you were not baptized until you exercise your faith in the person of Jesus Christ. In other words, you are just a catechumen. A catechumen is someone that's getting ready to be baptized, he's not in the church yet. You are not a believer unless you exercise faith. In fact, I like to, I like to quote to you uh, uh, from one of the church fathers, Saint Simeon, the new theologian. And I'm going to quote from him just to show to you that this is, what I'm talking about is not only in the Bible, but it's also substantiated in the church fathers. St. Simeon the New Theologian says in one of his writings, a catechumen is not only the unbeliever, but he is also the person who does not reflect the glory of the Lord in the unveiled countenance of his mind. Know ye not that as a catechumen you stand outside the threshold of the church, though in boldness of mind you take your stand along with those who pray in faith and purity, not conforming to the apostolic canon that says, let not a believer pray with a catechumen even in the home. Since you are a catechumen, how is it that you desire to teach and you attempt to busy yourself with things you have neither seen nor heard and you are so rash as to discourse concerning them as if you had knowledge of things divine. Now some people object and they say that altar calls are not orthodox. Well, let's take a look at that. They, they, many people come up and tell me, well, Father, we Orthodox have only one altar call, and that's the call to communion. But I like to point out that the communion call is really the second altar call. And it cannot have any meaning. And it will produce no real benefits without the first altar call. As a matter of fact, it is very risky to respond to the communion call without having responded to the first altar call. You might even be in danger of receiving the body and blood of Jesus Christ unto damnation. And... Again, I want to turn to this uh, illustrious church father to point out what he says about, uh, about baptism. He says, let no one say, I have Christ from holy baptism. But let him learn that not all those who are baptized receive Christ in baptism, but only, and I use the original Greek word here, the veveopisti, in other words, only those who have the certainty and the assurance of faith. So you see, uh, dear friend, that baptism isn't anything magic. It doesn't magically get you into heaven. This is why even in our Sunday schools, we need to think about this and to help our young people and the youngsters to make a conscious, deliberate decision for Christ. It isn't enough to give our young people religious knowledge. 
Religious education is no substitute for a personal decision to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And to make our commitment to Christ publicly and aloud is a necessary part in releasing the reality of rebirth and regeneration in our life. You know, the trouble is with many of us that we try to teach people in the church uh, religion, teach people that have never been really regenerated in the Holy Spirit. And no one can grow before he's born. So unless you are born again in the Holy Spirit, then you cannot grow. And you can receive all the religious knowledge you can, and it won't do you any good. In fact, it can be very frustrating to teachers and to priests to teach people about God when they're not even regenerated in the Holy Spirit. This is the law of nature. It is true in the natural world, and it is true in the supernatural realm. No one can grow unless he's born first. You cannot break the law of nature and expect positive results. I don't know who you are out there, friend, but remember that you're not going to go to heaven on your baptismal certificate. You need an experience of Jesus Christ. You need to come out of that spiritual wilderness experience. You may be going to church, but there's an emptiness in your life. You really have not known Christ in a personal relationship. You might have money, you might have a nice home, you might have education, but your life lacks purpose and destiny. If you were to die right now, you have no certainty that you would be with Jesus in that divine glory at his right hand. You possibly live with a lot of religious ambiguity. That's, I, I like to call it that. There's so many people in the church today that live with religious ambiguity, religious uncertainty. Let me tell you, friend, that God loves you and cares for you. Jesus died and took your sins to the cross. He shed his blood to wash you of your sins and to give you forgiveness. He will heal your body and keep you always in divine health when you come into a living experience with him. Jesus will fill you with his Holy Spirit. We can't play games with religion. Dear friend, time is running out. I believe Jesus Christ is coming back soon. We're living in the end time, and your eternity could be at stake. Don't take any chances, but open your heart and turn to the Lord even now before the close of this program. Express your hunger for more of God. You know, God, it says there in the Bible, is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So I'm asking you today, dear friend, open your heart and reach out to the Lord. Seek him. Confess to the Lord that you need more of him. Confess your dependence upon his Holy Spirit. Go to the Lord as an empty vessel. God is not looking for vessels of silver and gold. He's not looking for perfect people, but he's looking for you, a sinner. You go to the Lord just as you are with your burden of sin, with your burden of guilt, and take that burden and leave it at the feet of Jesus because Jesus died and took that sin and that guilt and that condemnation on Calvary's cross. He took Adam's curse. He became curse that you might receive all the blessings that were due to Jesus. Jesus took all the curse and all the condemnation that was due to you. 
And you in turn took all the blessings and the glory and the healing and the righteousness that was due to Jesus Christ. So I'm going to ask you just to yield to the Lord as we come to the close of the program today. Be sensitive to the Lord. Just show inner sensitivity to God's grace. And I'm sure that you're going to sense his presence. And you're going to sense the touch of the Lord Jesus Christ if you reach out for him. And I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes gently and think of Jesus. And I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. I'm going to lead you into a commitment to Jesus Christ. And I know you're going to get blessed by this. Just repeat after me, but with all of your heart, with sincerity and with honesty. Lord Jesus, I confess and I believe that you died for me a sinner. I believe you shed your blood on the cross to save me from hell and to bring me into heaven. I invite you to come into my heart and into my life as my personal Savior. I surrender my life to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. That's it. Just begin to praise the Lord and to thank him for his presence. Now we're running out of time and I just want to thank you for being with me uh, on this program today and fellowshipping with me. I need to hear from you this week. If you have been blessed by this program, write to me today and share that blessing with me. It would encourage me and help me and send me an offering and be part of this outreach to bring the Orthodox people back to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. May God's blessings be with you. This is my desire and my prayer for you. Thank you for having joined Father Stefano in this new broadcast of Inspiration and Faith. We hope you will tune in again next week for another half hour of Orthodox Christian Renewal. This program is made possible by the free will offerings of the viewers. Your prayerful and financial support is vital to the continuance of this telecast.